Hey, you're listening to Tech Talks with Lou and I'm Lou Temlett. I hope you're having a good day and I'm really thankful for you listening. So this is Tech Talks with Lou, the show in which I discuss the top tech secrets for success from the best in today's digital world. Last time, I spoke with Joyce Durst, CEO and founder of wearegap.com. We spoke about authenticity and confidence in being a female in the tech industry. If you haven't already listened, head back after this episode and let me know what you think. My guest today is a comedian, has experience in stage management, business coaching, and she has just worked on an award-winning steam installation on the southwest coast of England. I'd like to welcome Becky Walsh to my podcast. Thank Hi, you Becky, for having how are me. You? Hello, yes, I'm really good, thank you. It's all very official. Thank you for having me. Oh, you, <laughs> I, was, I was brought up well as a child. <laughs> Oh, it it is very uh, good to be speaking with you. I know we've uh, made connections, some clubhouse and various other kind of social connections over the last year or so. So I'm really, I really am grateful to speak to you. And what drew me to you was your kind of comedian humour, yet your business coaching and kind of common sense, but with a, a sense of fun. So Listeners, be prepared. This is going to be an absolute roller coaster of an episode. Uh, I'm counting on you, Becky. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm strapped in. I've got my braces on. I'm clinging on. Gritted <laughs> 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 okay. teeth, tight jaw. Wonderful. So this is Tech Talks with Lou. And me and the kids recently visited Western Supermare to see your art installation or the steam installation down on the coast, uh, which was, for those who haven't visited, was an absolutely massive oil rig put onto land and with loads of amazing layers and things. But um, we'll start here, Becky. So I'd like you to tell me more on how you got involved in this project. It was bonkers. So the thing was called Sea Monster and it was part of an unboxed festival. So it was about trying to really get young people interested in STEM. Uh, But we added an A and called it STEAM because obviously it's an art installation. And it really was about putting together technology, engineering with the arts. And so it had the most uh, incredible lighting. And so at night, it just looked absolutely stunning. So when you're kind of thinking you know, a an oil rig. I mean, it was that. And how I got involved was um, two lovely lads from uh, a company called Dose of Society came to come and see. I work for also part-time for a local council. And they wanted to interview people in Western Supermare who they thought were influencers, key people around the town. So I uh, gave them a list of people and they said, could we interview you? <laughs> Um, gave them a list of people. Okay, gave them a list come of on. people. And, um, and the thing was... I, I've reached an age where you look at young people and you're going, oh, students, you don't actually think that they've, <laughs> they've got their own business. Like policemen, oh, he's only just out of a hoodie. Um, so uh, so I, got, I got ranty about the psychology of Western Superman, why it was an incredible place to live and how awful it is that it's bashed with Western Super mud and old perceptions. Yep. Um, and so they took away this to uh, uh, a company called New Substance and said, We're done. We found the place because they were given like a brief of 11 different places to go to all on the coast. And went, we're done. We're done. It's the first place we went to. It's Western Supermare. We're done. It's happening here. And they were like, you know, go and and do your research. 
at the end of the research, they went, it's Western Superbear. <laughs> and it's partly because Western's got this incredible placemaking strategy of really reinventing itself and the reinvention of Sea Monster. So, so Sea Monster was about reimagining, you know, things that we no longer are looking at using or we don't look at favorably. Although without any disrespect to the gas and oil industry, it was to bring something like that and kind of go, well, how can we reimagine it? And how can we inspire kids into steam-based subjects as they move forward in future? So the, the the different layers, of, as you've described, of Sea Monster, we had like a garden lab, which was just, we had, um, I think it was over 2,000 different plants and trees on Sea Monster, craned in. We had to get Sea Monster on a crane and over a wall. It also had to come from, uh, so it had to come off, off the North Sea, be cleaned, then be moved here from another place in Europe, Travelled up the beach at a particular tide as well, you know, and then it needed two. You, cranes. you mean there is a there is a tide there in the Western Sea? There is We there. have got the second fastest tide I think you'll find in the world. Yes, and don't ask me what the first fastest tide is because I actually don't know. Um, and so we needed a crane to build the crane to put the crane to bring the thing over the wall, and then we had a garden lab and we had like a, a technology lab that created its own clouds. Um, we were broadcasting as well because it was all uh, created around the weather as well. So we were broadcasting the shipping forecast and we had a helicopter pad which um, created an amphitheatre. Uh, it was stunning and it had scales and all sorts of things. And really, if you haven't seen what we're talking about here, please, please, please look up the documentary film that is currently online because it really does have to be seen to be believed. It was an incredible project to have worked on. It was. Now, just to clarify, I know we're not talking acronyms, but when you mention Sea Monster, people might think S-E-A. However, it's S-E-E. So Sea Monster. Um, and but, didn't we um, all think we were really clever with that title? <laughs> Look, Sea Monster. How clever are we? Sea and Sea. But what I will say is that your use of S, E and E in your branding and your logo um, kind of icon was epic. Uh, we've got we've got stickers plastered around the walls still. So it was a, you know, very iconic thing. So uh, maybe we can talk about brand as well, because that I was impacted in a wonderful way, as well as, you know, seeing this thing. Um, and we did stay there all day to see the sea monster at night. Um, and if any of you follow on my socials, um, I'm sure I've got some postings somewhere along the line because it was epic. It was absolutely epic. So give me some facts about this sea monster, because I remember my children having to have a quiz, Becky, oh. and I'm not sure whether you were involved with the quiz <laughs> or remember any of the questions. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but uh, I mean, when you mentioned branding then. I think that everything was very visual. So New Substance, who um, they also have the drone shows as well. So we put on a drone show around Sea Monster as well. And they did, um, so if you remember um, the Queen's Jubilee, they did the drones for that. And they do the drones for um, the, uh, what would be fireworks, you know, for New Year's and things like that in London. Um, so they're very, they're a very, very visual company. And, and actually, some of this was actually quite, for me personally, quite hard to navigate because my role within the project was about community engagement. So it was about getting the community involved, not not so that this wasn't something that was to happen to Western Supermare. It was to happen with Western Supermare. Oh. So um, that was really vital and important. And so we created um, think tanks and I went to what you would call influencers in Western, but people who were the key players. So we have um, the Stables who are really a, a tech organisation for startups 
startups. You can come and hot desk there. There's lots of different things that kind of go on. So we looked at them being part of the um, STEM think tank. Then we had an environmental think tank, an arts think tank. So we just kind of split it off so that we had members who were part of different organisations that were looking after the ideas that were coming from the community of not just what we wanted to put on Sea Monster on that incredible helipad, but also what we wanted to put on in the town so that we were generating footfall going from Sea Monster to the town as part of uh, supporting the local businesses. Yeah. And I personally got very frustrated. So I'd, I'd kind of like, like, oh, uh, I want to write this. And everything had to be checked and branding had to be checked. And I'd never come across this before to this extent because this was a government project. And so when you're yeah. working with something within government, you you everything is kind of like we've really got to keep it um, messaging clear, imagery clear. And um, I'm a panto set painter slap the paint on and it'll look all right and if it drips on the floor we'll just cover it up it'll be fine so I'm a you know ex-stage manager you just stick it together with gaffer tape and it will do and you put it on the road um with this the attention to detail especially around accessibility was second to none so absolutely everything which made me feel like my hands and legs were tied constantly but absolutely everything was done to a level of perfection that um I can't own (laughs) Yes. I can't own that. That's not me. It, it was appreciated, very much appreciated. <laughs> By other people the, who the know brand, how to do things perfectly. The, <laughs> the brand, the quality, the accessibility, certainly, or yeah. you know, that was that was very obvious from a, being a branding kind of tech expert and yeah. creative coming into that space as well and feeling like actually everything had a had a place and knew where it was supposed to be, which was yeah. which was nice. But yes, coming back to the, you said about 2,000 plants. Um, I think part of the children's quiz were how many trees were there. There were actually 63. I will have to verify this with my son. Um, And the tallest tree, I think it was either six or nine foot. Yeah, and it was a maple. Right at the very top. Yeah. And they're all in Western now. So they were all gifted to the town. So four of them are in Clarence Park. And then we've made um, kind of like a legacy garden, which is uh, down from uh, anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. I don't really need to explain this, do I know? But it's up from the golf course and down from beach lawns, if you happen to want to come and visit. Yeah. So it's great. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, yeah, so go and check out. I, I'm sure the website's still accessible. S-E-E yeah, the website's, yeah, website's still up, but everything else is down. So the education pages are also still there. So if you've got kids and you want to get them involved, then, you know, all of that is there. All the films that we made, everything is there. But all of the social media stuff has all been taken down. But that is still there. Fabulous. I was a, a keen participant and visitor many times. So, uh, Fantastic. As it was, I was, it was free, you know, I queued up the first day and I was thinking I was going to at least have to pay £20 to get in. And it was like, okay, you can just count the number of people, see how many people are coming through. But it was fantastic. And it was a really lovely community thing. Although I did avoid the slide that went from the very top level down to the next level. Oh, there were a lot of thing. a lot of a lot of people that were coming down, not children, that were very scared. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was fast. I mean, this was not like a like a, you know, um when we when we kind of went in before it opened, uh, and we were all queuing up as well. So it was kind of open to sort of like VIPs at like councillors and local people, and we were all kind of like queuing up for the slide. But what was great was seeing grown adults that you work with who are councillors or people who are kind of like very well to do giggling like a small child as they went down the slide and up, around and down and 
they'd come off and just put their hands in their hands and just giggle. And it it was just beautiful to see that. So I went down the slide quite a lot. But um, yeah, it was, I mean, and that actually, the idea for the slide came from community engagement because somebody said, oh. why don't you have a zip wire? And we were like, mm, yeah, I don't think we can do a zip wire. Like zip wire onto the beach. Mm, I'm not sure about that. Um, and then we went, but we could have a slide. And I don't think that the slide was on the original plan until we started the think tank meetings. Oh. I might be wrong, but I don't think it was there. And they went, oh, actually, a slide would be good and it was it was brilliant so fun yes it did yes it was quite steep you're listening to tech talks with lou and i'm lou temlett and today i'm talking with becky walsh comedian and author so becky uh, as i've just introduced you there you are a comedian and an author so i'd love to hear more about your journey and experience as a comedian so i i okay so i'm gonna have to say it uh i shared a flat many years ago with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and we were living in Cricklewood at the time and uh, I won't go too much into that story but I remember being extremely jealous uh, Simon was saying uh, one night I, I actually was taking the mic in I said have you actually moved from that sofa because I went out to work came home and he was still sitting in exactly the same place I said you've actually moved from that sofa and, and he went eh no and, uh, he said uh, let me just ask you how much have you earned this week and at the time I was on a buyout contract and it was on 350 pounds for the week I said oh 350 pounds and he goes how many hours was that I went oh don't even ask he went oh I did a 20 minute gig last night did you yeah 200 quid I'm like oh so I think first of all I was attracted to the lifestyle uh, uh but then realized that actually it's actually really hard and I was terrible and I just was I just was suckage personified every time I tried to do it because I tried to create funny and you you kind of can't you kind of can't script funny it just doesn't work, work like that so when I got into personal development I started to realize that actually comedy was a really great way of getting across personal development subjects that are dry sticky awkward and I don't know about you but sometimes when I've watched a TED talk I walk away feeling less than a human being I don't walk yeah. away feeling inspired I walk away feeling a little bit more rubbish than I did before um whereas when you go and see personal development subjects done in a comedy way at least you had to laugh you know so I started doing little different ones, but the one that I've landed on at the moment is called Burnout. And I think I'm onto something because I think Ooh. that most of us are feeling a little bit burnt out. So I wrote the um, the branding and the copy and everything for Burnout and uh, put it out into the world. And the show sold out within 48 hours. I was like, whoa, hang on. Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. And then the next show sold out um, a little bit longer, but I was putting on the same show in the same town. But it was the word of mouth from the first show that sold out the second show. Oh, wow. And yeah, that's great. That's what you want because then you can kind of only live so long in a concept only yeah. live so long in a reputation what you want is the word of mouth you want people going i want to see the show it's absolutely brilliant and now that seems to be what's happening much to my own surprise um so i'm always surprised um so yeah so i'm talking about how burnout comes about how to stop it what to do when you're when you're in it um how to know that you're in it but also yeah. at the same time making people laugh about being busy really so yes. um yeah so that's really good and my next show which i've started writing is called dos bag <laughs> how to deal with challenging people so wow. <laughs> and who doesn't need to see that <laughs> so is your burnout show complete done is is that 
finished or are you still touring? It's an improv thing. So I'm still touring and I'm pondering with taking it to Edinburgh. I've got some gigs that are going to be coming up in Bristol. And so really I'm starting to kind of, I haven't really done kind of like a tour tour. I think you need to be a lot bigger before you start being taken to random venues where no one's heard of you. But the more it builds and the more impact it starts to have, then eventually that will start to happen. And it, a lot of it is just bouncing off the audience and improving with the yeah. audience um, because that's the fun bit. I think if you go with a very clear script, apart from if you forget the script, you become massively undone, but then there's no audience engagement. So it's really, it, it's really about the audience and it's about answering what's going on in the audience's lives. Yeah. And um, so um, one of the books I've written is about intuition. And I think that intuition as a comedian is vital for being able to read your audience and, yeah. and, and who you're doing. I am dreading an audience of, of people who are massively younger than me, like like younger than millennials. I'm dreading that because I don't think that they're going to get a lot of what I'm saying. Because I think you really have to have lived to really understand the content. Yes. But we'll see. We'll see if that ends up happening. If I end up doing some kind of university gig, yeah. I, know, I might avoid that. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I, I think, you know, it's incredibly important to kind of bring bring humour into business. Um, you know, there's lots of things where actually it can soften life a great deal and, and equally bringing in the intuition side of things. So um, Becky is a very experienced business coach and bringing all of those elements together, um, you are in for quite a smooth ride. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> we, yeah. We've done the rough ride at the beginning and this yeah. is this is the smooth bit. So you mentioned before we started recording that you've been doing comedy for about 10 years. Mm. Um, how soon after your your jealousy moment at Simon Pegg earning, you know, £200 for 20 minutes work? He probably wouldn't even you... get a bed for that now. <laughs> so how long did it take you to convert that I want some of that to I'm having some of that Uh, well I had to be rubbish for ages first so um one of my jobs was working on cruise ships when I worked in theatre as a stage manager on cruise ships and lighting technician and used to have crew uh, like uh, cruise shows and so I did a couple of cruise shows and I, I just I just died I mean, apart from the fact that audiences just talk through you, so yeah. you can't get them to shut up, which is, like, really difficult. And then when I came back, we um, I was working for the makers of the James Bond film, so E.ON, and we were doing a musical, and we did, like, a, a cruise show, like, well, not cruise show, but we did kind of, like, a, a fundraising event. And um, so one of the actors that was working uh, on the show did some uh, directing with me and helped support me to create a script, and again, I really sucked. I mean, we had some big celebrities in the audience as well. And it was like an in- incredible, wonderfully dying on my bottom moment. Um, and I think really, I think what I learned was that you try and create a persona of being a comedian and they will kill you. They will just yeah. kill you. You yeah. cannot create a persona of a comedian. You cannot create an archetype. You can't pretend to be a comedian. And I actually think that that stands for most things in life is I do believe in act as if, but don't try and pretend that you're something you're not. So you can yeah. act as if and amplify a part of yourself, but don't try and pretend that you're something that you can't find within yourself. And that's mm-hmm. what I was doing. And um, it was really a point where I kind of went, well, what, what do I actually know? Because most comedians talk about things that they know. So they may talk about, um, you know, and for British comedians, that kind of like comes from that self-deprecation. But you will talk about something that you know. And what I know the most about 
is human beings, is personal development, is the things that make us tick, is human psychology. So the minute I realised, actually, that's really what I need to be doing it about instead of actually, because there's the easy element of kind of like going on and talking about, you know, periods and stuff that is awkward funny you get awkward yeah. laugh and you think oh yeah this is working yeah it's not so I think if you can find something that is niche that is perfect for you then the yeah. comedy kind of does itself and I've been doing it for years with being a trainer with working as a business coach with with making people laugh in sessions that mm. it was just an easy flip if you can be on stage and you're comfortable on stage then yeah. comedy is actually quite easy as long as you know what it is that you that you can be funny about yes. and I think that that's the thing and I think you know it's quite obvious like having lived with Simon the things that he was funny about was everything he was into which is films he was really into films yep. he was really into popular and and everyone had like so his audiences were wide because if you love films you're going to love what simon's comedy is about so if yep. you love this you're going to love that um and i think that when you look at the way that theater is it's like um if you love shows by queen then you're going to like this musical about the queen songs or yep. you're going to like the elton john da, 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 da. you're going to like and so this is why um if you're a comedian, you really need to kind of like grip onto something that is culturally connecting people and burnout is culturally connecting people, especially yes. off the back of COVID. So that's yes. why I feel like I'm finally onto something. My subjects have just been off for yes. 10 years. <laughs> yes. No, it does feel when you, when you said kind of burnout, you know, for me, I was like echoing your words then, you know, on the back of COVID because whilst it was kind of, kind of medium busy, now life is even more busy and we are in kind of embodying and kind of working in our home life spaces and, the, and there's nowhere to get away. And our, our responsibilities have increased. So I think that, you know, I kind of like measure it out in terms of if you've got pets, aging parents, children, business, whatever it is, it is taking a chunk of your energy and going... Yeah. And it's gone. And so what you might do is you might kind of like go, right, I've got, and especially as you get kind of older, you become more conscious of your energy. And you go, right, I have this block of energy to cover this much stuff. And yeah. then all it takes is a phone call from you, from the school. Can you come and pick up your daughter? Da, 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 she's down. Whatever, whatever. And then suddenly, you know, the amount of things that you are responsible for depletes your energy. And then you go, oh, I've got to write a blog post for my business. <laughs> Good luck yes. with that. Because you literally are trying to ring out and that's when we start taking the energy, next week's energy, tomorrow's energy, next month's energy. And then before you know it, you have just borrowed so much of your future energy that yeah. you will burn out. Um yes. but we don't realise that we're borrowing our future energy. And you know, I don't know if you've ever had this. I call it the living room moment where you stand in the living room and go, I ain't got a scooby doo what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> and it's it's like you've, you've literally just like your brain has just gone yeah we're done uh yeah. we, we've reached the living room we're done and i i have found at moments even if i'm watching a television show i go i actually have to turn this off i don't have capacity for it yeah <laughs> i don't have capacity to netflix like that's <laughs> mad that's that completely is mad. shocking yeah i know <laughs> can't even sit and watch tv i can sit and go mm. but that's not a good look <laughs> <laughs> I have I have those old star fillings, not the new ones. That's not a good look. <laughs> oh. So what I'd like to know is to try and to wrap all of this, uh, your experience 
into my tech podcast, maybe very tenuously. And what I like to do is ask my guests how they would help inform, educate someone that was interested in um, comedy, being in uh, kind of a comedian or working as a kind of business coach, you know, what tips, what advice might you offer them? Um, certainly maybe the younger than millennials even. I think, I think it would be the same advice for absolutely everything. Be playful. The more playful you can be in life and the less seriously you take life, anyone else's opinion or yourself, then the more you can actually create. Because the minute you start to think, I need to reach a destination or have a goal in mind or even a lifestyle dream, you are diluting the capacity of yourself in the moment. And mm. I think it's very easy to kind of like think, because we all are purpose-driven. We want to have a calling. We want to believe I am meant to do this. There is some higher power that is conforming into this. This is what I'm meant to do with my time. And um, I'm going to do this and have a goal. And the minute you start to kind of fixate on a future place, you, you can't, you, you just, you, you're losing your energy and you're not present in the moment. You're not present with what is. And then it can't be funny because you're putting too much pressure on the audience. And that's yeah. exactly the same with coaching or anything else. The minute you ask anything of anyone else that you ask the audience to find you funny that you ask clients to book an appointment with you 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 are needy and we hate needy we just can't stand yeah. needy but the minute we are in, in of service which is it doesn't matter if you find me funny I'm just here to be funny yeah. it doesn't matter if you want to book an appointment with me I'm just here to share content so the yeah. minute you're in a sharing mode that it's about somebody else and it isn't about you so therefore it can't be about your destination it can't be about yeah. your career path it literally has to be about the joy of it if you yeah. can achieve that you are you are just you are just gold you are just gold and it's really hard to do because society tells you not to do that to actually have a path have a career, have a vision, and yeah. it's the killer of creativity. Yes, I agree. Um, when you first started speaking in this kind of segment, all I could think about, Becky, was getting, you know, my my art screen pen and drawing moustaches on us. Um, anyway, that's that's well, we for an, another time. <laughs> it's like those rabbit ears and things like that. So I was watching a Simon Sinek um, uh, broadcast that he did quite recently. I'm quite into Simon Sinek, and I do fancy him just in case that needs putting out there. He may watch. Do you know what? This. He's single at the moment. I well. know that's why I'm putting it out there just in case. I mean, you know, you never know. I know no future goals, but I just want that right now. Add him in the content. It's fine. Just, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> just tap it okay. Let, let's um, let's not know. make this serious, but make it point and terrible. Hi, Simon. Um, so, uh, yeah, so um, um, one of the things he said was apparently on his, um, I think it was um, one, one of them anyway, I, I think it was TikTok, uh, that accidentally some kind of like rabbit ears and funny face had been stuck on. And so yeah. he's looking at all of these screens and then he just keeps looking at himself. And I just thought, you know what? I actually think you should do that anyway, just so that you don't take yourself too seriously whilst exactly. you're broadcasting incredible content. I mean, his, con his content is usually incredible. Um, but, you know, just maybe just actually have rabbit ears on yourself while you're being very earnest exactly I was I was on that, that stream on. I, was, I was listening to that stream and I was I was listening on Instagram live and I think you had you know LinkedIn and Facebook and all the rest of them but it was on one of them yeah but I, I was there I was with you 
and you were there. Yeah. You were there at the same time. But yeah, it, it was it was just um, really well done. But yeah, the minute you said he was singing, I was. Like, but apparently, though, I I probably met, he's got like three uh, relationship points that he needs to hit when he meets somebody. Yeah, do you I remember clearly, what they are? Um, I actually have them down. If you want me to know. Written them down. Go on, share them. This, Go on. This, please, this is not obsession. Okay, so um, sexually, um, so sexually, kind of like you know, connected. That one, yep. emotionally available and um, intellectually stimulating. Sweetie, I'm all of them. However, there is one that he has a plus, which is very disappointing. And his plus is basically we need to be in the same country. I can move. I can move. Yeah, but, how, yeah, but he's, he's, spent, he's spending a lot of time in the UK, isn't he? Well, he's he's doing a live thing. I've got tickets. He's doing a live thing. I'm going. <gasps> you got tickets? Yeah, I'm not running down in my bra down no. to the front. It's not happening. I'm sorry I didn't get you a ticket. We could have done that. But uh, but yeah, I and I'm not going to be standing at stage door with a copy of my book with "I Love You" written in it either. So we'll do, you know, I'm just going to Why be nobody at the back of the auditorium. <laughs> you because I'd have to get in a queue behind a load of other desperate women who are thinking the same thing, no doubt. <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> yeah, so I think he I think he's um, you know, put his intention to the universe. And I think the universe will certainly respond. I think so, in an abundance. So I'm putting my intention into the universe. There it is. You're listening to Tech Talks with Lou, and I'm Lou Temlett. And today I'm talking with Becky Walsh, comedian and author. So Becky, tell me a bit more about your book, because you've mentioned it in the previous kind of section, and I like linking all these things together because it feels very poignant kind of you know sliding swiftly on from potentially getting a date with Simon Sinek of course yeah thank you yes of course um so you know we've got so much in common I've written a book um so uh this this was something that um I, you know when I worked in theatre people used to say you know you are really spooky you end up at you know in the dressing room or somewhere near at exactly the time that an actor was having a bit of a meltdown and I became very curious about why some people are really highly intuitive um, and other people just kind of aren't so much. And it was something that really was a bugbear and I really wanted to know about it. So at the time, um, I was living in London. I was a radio presenter. I had lots of different things going on. And I decided to up six and move to America. So picked up the dog, took the dog um, and moved to the States, moved to San Francisco and started studying everything I could about neuroscience and how the brain worked. And what um, came up was the fact that people who have a very intense level of intuition, which people at the time were calling psychic, um, actually, it's a form of neurodiversity. And so, uh, you know, we. I, we I was trying new- to avoid that label. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's neurodiversity. Well, I think. I think the thing is, I think that people kind of like go, oh, well, you know, uh, if you're really brilliant at remembering numbers and names and dates, and then this is a superpower that kind of like comes yeah. from people who are on the autistic spectrum. But actually someone who's intuitive, now you're just making it up and you're spooky or whatever, however mm. that looks. So I found that a lot of this was connected to the right hemisphere of the brain. Also, the brain that you have in your heart and your gut. So you have one tenth the number of neurons that you've got in your brain, in your heart and in your gut. And they're actually making some very interesting links at the moment about uh, gut health and gut bacteria and also mental health, um, yeah. which is very exciting. I think the, the the book, when I finished it, was published by Hay House, which was very delighted over because it's a yes. nice publisher. But since that book came out, it's very frustrating when you're watching people scientifically prove the ideas that you put into a book as a hunch yes. and just because yep. somebody has a white lab coat or whatever and you're like, I've been saying this for years and, and with no attention and no great book 
contracts and sales and stuff. But yeah, so I I, I then have gone uh, very much interested in uh, neuropathways. I've been uh, doing lots of research into um, trauma-based ADHD and things like that. I think that all of this stuff um, and how our brains are changing. And I think we're all yeah. a little bit too scared to admit that right now, but we are all speeding up. Our brains are changing and yeah. people are all kind of like, oh no, it's neurodiversity. I'm sorry, but you can find me a neurotypical person. Actually, I wouldn't want to meet them. They'd be too boring. So, yes. um, so yes. I'm, I'm very interested in what's actually happening to us and, and why it's happening. And is it to do with processed food? Is it to do with um, chemicals? Mm. Is it to do with all sorts of different things that we're actually eating? So, yeah, that's a very it, it's all just a very interesting subject to me. So, yeah. Looking at that I, I love the topic of uh, intuition and there's been various kind of business and personal things that I've kind of you know predicted psychically in my past and then they've just yeah. happened you know writing the date of my firstborn child and then you know the 20 week scan going I've seen this date before and there's me back in my kind of you know five five six years before writing my life plan and there there I am having a child born on exactly that date that I'd written down um or you know believing that I'm going to win a certain competition and be in a certain location because I've photoshopped the whole thing because I kind of felt it and things like this happen to me very it's very common it's very common and you know and it does make you think am I creating and this is why I stopped doing future predictions like because I I was classed as a psychic and I and that's why I went on this big um exploration to actually find out what what was what because that was the only word that was available at the time and this is when we used to have an occult book section before it became mind body spirit before it became (laughs) well-being And um, I like to. Think I, I love. I love the softening of of <laughs> such <laughs> severe. You know, I, I, I went to Canterbury recently, and they've still got the ducking stool that they put the witches <laughs> on. And you go, yeah, we'd all have been on that. You know, we'd have all have been on that hundreds of years all, ago. All of, all of us neurodiverse people would have been on that. But and I think that this is it is a huge thing. And I think because it was just kind of like written off. And it's funny. There was, um, I think it was Kindred Spirit magazine said that I was one of the thought leaders that actually took that word psychic and kind of like got it flipped on its head it then became intuitive but actually you don't have so many people doing the future prediction type stuff now and a lot of it I I do think was I was one of like Simon Siddick Simon uh, talks about how um how you uh, are part of a movement so I definitely was a key player in the part of a movement to get spirituality into the mainstream media so when I had a radio show on LB BC, which again, because of the occult section of the bookshop, had to be called the Psychic Show. We did way, way more uh, information than that. And then now I turn on Virgin Radio and listen to Chris Evans, and I'm like, yeah, you're you're talking about these subjects because of a revolution of people that were almost stoned to death in the past that actually made a clear way for you to be able to discuss this. And sometimes I'm like, yay! And then other times I'm like, ah, it would just be nice to actually still be doing that work. But because we were part of that movement, we now can't be part of this movement. So it's it's a frustration and a a delight at the same time. I'm visualising a chain and some links because you were part of that original chain link. It's stuck. You know, it's like one of those puzzle things that you can't actually unlock and get to the future 
Link and in piece. some ways, would I want to be on the same chain gang? I don't think so. I think I think I did my time doing that, and yeah. a little bit that reinvention was like, well, the, the next thing to light me up is personal development comedy because yes. I am um, again. I am usually driven, and you're probably the same, by what annoys me. I'm not necessarily driven by what I love. And one of the things that's annoying me at the moment is the conversation around mental health and that it's your fault and that there's something wrong with you. And I can't fight that or yeah. have a conversation about that within uh, coaching or counselling or anything like that. But God, mm. I can do it on stage as a comedian. I can yeah. challenge as a comedian. I can yeah. say there's nothing wrong with you. Society is not built for the way that we really need to be. Soapbox, 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 soapbox. Yes. But I have a comedy soapbox, which means I don't turn into a ranty nutbag. Well, not often Ooh, anyway. That's a really good output. Ooh. I'm liking this idea of comedy. <laughs> yeah, because you get to say that it's like the court jester. You know, you don't get your head yeah. cut off by the king because you're saying all of these things that nobody else should want to say. And in a way, this is kind of like a, a pathway that Russell Brand has kind of like adopted too. Um, but he did it the other way around. I'm doing it the opposite way to Russell Brand. So I went as a yeah. spiritual teacher and now I'm a comedian. And there's another guy called Kyle Cease as well that's in America that's done something similar. Though, again, he was a comedian. He's gone into the spirituality and he's kind of lost his comedy a bit in my opinion other people might disagree but so for me it's kind of like I've done that and now I'm taking that learning and developing it to people who would never be seen dead on a therapist couch no matter how comfortable it is but they are happy in a bar because guess what drinking really helps the stuff that we don't want to deal with so by bringing me into the room you're gonna have to deal with it now aren't you (laughs) (laughs) there's no escaping (laughs) but you can carry on drinking and you can buy me one while you're at it and then we'll put the world (laughs) scrites I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, it feels like we've had a, a wonderful journey through this episode, actually, and talked about some kind of quite reflective concepts in business and in kind of creativity and, and tech as well. What are you working on at the moment, Becky? And what's coming? I know you've mentioned a new show you're kind of working on. Doshbag? Douchebag? To- no. Tossbag. So douchebag is the American equivalent. And then there's tossbag, you know, so you absolutely, you know, one of those. And um, and so uh, uh, one of the things that I do in my uh, training for uh, town and parish councils is I do a thing called civility and respect. So it's it's really a full webinar module about how to deal with challenging people, your own emotional resilience, how to do a psychopath and narcissist that are actually very attracted to um, positions of power. So they can be sometimes attracted to councils. And also, um, yeah, so I'm just saying, but if you want to look at government, you want to argue with me? I don't think you do. Um, so, uh, yeah, so... So I'm teaching how to spot them at an early point before their career progresses into government. So, uh, yeah, just so, don't give the mirrors. Don't just, give just, the mirrors. Don't give the mirrors. <laughs> yeah, you know, not quite like vampires, but still, I uh, can't see the reflection. <laughs> anyway, so um, part of that with teaching these things about challenging people, and believe me, councils are inundated with challenging people in lots of different ways, just yeah. for their mere structure and organisation. I decided to make it funny. And it also means that, I don't know if you have ever been to corporate training events. You know, they're quite dull. And lots of people usually sign up for a corporate training event to have an opportunity to to nap, I think. Uh, So with bringing in comedy also means that I can go into corporate training events, seminars, large kind of like things with lots of people, and I can be funny and 
deliver a message without it being dry and boring, uh, and then also deliver it into pubs and social environments and theatres. So that's what I'm working on at the moment is how do I get more into the corporate rather than the um, uh, public sector, which I'm currently in. So there's that. So with the two shows, which is Burnout and Tossback, I still find Tossback as an I just am very happy with the title. And there's me with this kind of, ah, with a bag kind of flying, um, because I think that's quite funny, because it's offensive and not offensive. It's quite clever. Um, So there's that. (laughs) I think it's clever. I would do. Um, And uh, so working on that, um, I also work for two town and parish councils as their communications officer, so I do that. I'm also about to make uh, a podcast for Western Supermare to help promote the town. Uh, What else am I doing? I'm doing a course in counselling, and uh, I'm doing a PR course uh, as well. So there's quite a lot of different things that I'm, I'm doing um, because anyone who's a multi-potentialite or has an interdisciplinary mind, they get bored. And so I have to have various amounts of things. So at the moment, I've got what you might class as too much on, but actually off the back of Sea Monster, it feels like a, a holiday. Yes, <laughs> so yes exactly. I, I hear you. I see you. All of these, you know, lots of different things going on. Um, anyone that knows me will know that I do lots of different things but it's yeah it's just maintaining that energy and at the the kind of beginning we were talking about using up um, energy Um, I train jiu-jitsu now um, and I find that you know it just gives me more energy um, rather than less so I'm kind of building up my capacity for the rest of my life yeah and Um, this is the um, weird thing about burnout burnout can come through boredom through being stuck in the same job through being utterly fed up and through a lack of um deep conversation you know small talk uh, so that's why this is good um but yeah i think uh yeah so for people like us if we haven't got enough on our plate our spinning plates then um that's actually a detriment to our own burnout capacity Mm. so yeah we agree I know, even though people kind of look at us strangely and go, you know, you're at burnout. It's like, no. No, no. And also people have different size plates. You know, I, 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 one of the comments I make in the stand-up show is people who go, oh, my God, I'm so busy. It's like, talk faster. If you were busy, you wouldn't be saying it that slowly. And also when I look <laughs> at their plate, it's like, it's like a tiny plate it's like a side plate and what you've got four volivons four volivons that's not busy it's not really <laughs> look at my platter of stuff you know i don't even have a round plate it's a freaking silver platter of stuff <laughs> but god help you if you try and put even the remotest pea on my plate because i will kill you because it's really full so just get your peas and go um but it's it's that but it is that thing of suddenly something will happen with my full platter that i'm lording it around like i'm doing silver service waitress really happy with myself and spinning whilst lots of other plates but it, it literally you just have to be mindful of if the dog suddenly is taken to the vet this is not a huge thing, but suddenly yeah. it becomes a huge thing. So it's yeah. always about kind of like have one of your sticks available for um, in current things that just might happen if you've got uh, people who you're dependent on. Luckily, it's just yeah. the dog in my case, you know, and future Simon Sinek. <laughs> have I mentioned I this be... before? Am I really hmm. rubbing this in? I need to so, stop, don't I? It's not funny so, anymore. Um, yeah, so you're going to go and see him and um, not, um, not maybe one-to-one, but you never know. 
you know, counting on it, potentially. I had this thing about Prince pulling me up onto the stage. I don't think that this is going to be the, you know. But, you know, can you imagine if Prince kind of going, oh, you, come and dance with me. That's what I always wanted up until the point where he died. I don't think it's going to be the same as signing in it kind of come on and intellectual with me. Come on, come on up, girl. Do you know, who knows? Come on. (laughs) Come on, your future predictions. Come on, pull all that old stuff out the no, bag. right. I should have written it six years ago. Maybe I did. <laughs> anyway, we will find out. You Becky will. will give us an update. <laughs> if, if I end up sticking something on Instagram, that inevitable selfie, you're going to die. It's really so funny. I know. And it's going to go, Becky didn't take me. Becky <laughs> <laughs> didn't take me. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> the well, I'm your backup. Deal. I'm your backup. Okay. You're your backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If my friend can't go, you're the backup. I've got that down. That is going to happen. Yeah. If she Thank can't make you. it, yeah, be, be aware. Sudden phone calls. I'm good at last minute things as well. Good. Excellent. It's amazing. (laughs) Okay. I've got it. I've got you back. I've got it. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Um, How can people get hold of you, Becky? Because I kind of feel like we might have a lot of people, a lot of listeners wanting to reach out to you. Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be lovely. I'm not too busy for you. Don't put it that way. Uh, So um, it's uh, beckywalsh.com. So all the W's, beckywalsh.com. And then off the back of that, you'll find my YouTube channel, my Instagram channel, my Facebook thing, all of that stuff. Uh, And a very odd podcast I don't play with anymore. Uh, But all of that is on the website. So you'll be able to find me that way. Fantastic. Becky, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love these whirlwind conversations. And uh, yes, w- wishing you every success with the Western Supermare podcast upcoming. And um, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you for having Great me. Stuff. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have recording it. I look forward to have you listening in again for the next episode. And in the meantime, I'd love you to rate review and download this episode. Thanks again for listening.